Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is known as Triple A in the industry. He is Adam Adams, and he has got an amazing story. Anybody who has been following his career at all, there's so many different boxes he checks as far as his new company that's been helping with podcast production. So if you're looking to start a podcast, monetize a podcast, grow a podcast, and take a shortcut to have that go faster, he drops a ton of free, great info on ways to get that going and really cut out all the shortcuts and all the nonsense and the growing pains when starting a platform, all the reasons why you might want to start a podcast, the benefits to it, how it can help you, how it can help the business, what goes into it. Uh, just some t- tips and tricks of the trade. GrowYourShow.com is where you can find out all this stuff for him and his podcast. He's also one of the founding members of Blue Spruce Group. Uh, it's a Blue Spruce Holdings Group that specializes in multifamily real estate. So he does talk a lot about uh, his real estate experience, which is up to, I think, over 1,400 units. And I think it's a very interesting story because he had some wins and then he had some losses. And I, I think it's very relevant to see some of his honesty and upfront. He's such an open book. And you can tell for somebody who puts himself out there that much, he, he's very vulnerable. And I, you could feel it in the episode. And I've seen it in some of the other stuff I've listened to him talk about because he's got such an incredible journey of wins and losses. And I think discussing how you take some hits in business and in life, and especially in real estate, and they kind of suck. And, and you know, it kind of hurts your confidence a little bit. And then you want to jump back in, but you don't want to take those losses again. You don't want to go back down that emotional roller coaster again. So he does discuss how you start to get your confidence back and get back on the boat and obviously turn them into a millionaire over and over again. So it's something that everybody has to do with as an entrepreneur in life. It's, you know, the old Rocky cliche, how, how many times you get hit, but how many times you get up. So I really like his story behind that. I mean, this is a guy who just lives it and breathes it. He's had a crazy upbringing. If you get a chance to go back to some of his past podcasts and listen to just his family life and the way he grew up and the stuff that he dealt with. And then he even started a meetup. And I think he had the sixth largest meetup in history. Meetup.com actually contacted him and asked like how he did it. And so we share some really cool information on that that I think is very attainable and something that's relevant to putting together or just getting an audience in general, even if it's not a physical meetup group, just basic things to get attention and get eyes, which he also specializes in raising private funds. So all these things like putting out a podcast, getting people in front of him at meetups, putting out content, putting himself out there, being in an open book, talking about his struggles, how he lost 50 pounds, gained weight, lost weight, made money, lost money, had his struggles, had his stripes, and just kept pushing through and not quitting and getting on top and figuring out how to be a winner and make the best of every bad situation is exactly why he's successful. And that's what this whole podcast is about. Just taking your lumps on the way, bring your A game no matter what comes your way, stay in the course, being persistent, and following that goal until you hit it and achieve it, and then starting new goals. So I really like talking to him. He's a big deal in the industry, in many industries, from podcasting to real estate to mindset to, to working with virtual assistants. So check the show notes for all the ways to work with him. But I had a great conversation with him. There was tons of other things. And again, I do a lot of research on my guests, but I, I do recommend you guys going back and listening to him on some other podcasts and things like that because he does have just an incredible story and he's just a super super nice guy so thank you so much for coming on adam adams this podcast is sponsored as always by not only naked warrior recovery cbd but nationwide business capital group so if you want some cbd for your bones or you want some bucks for your wallet to invest in some real estate 
go to nicknickmick.com slash links. And under affiliates, you will see if you put in promo code Aiken, you can get a discount on the CBD from Naked Warrior Recovery CBD, owned by a Navy SEAL who lives out of Hawaii, William Branham, great guy. And also hit up Marianne from Nationwide Business Capital Group and tell the A-game podcast sent you over. You're looking to get some money for your residential, for your commercial, for your multifamily, for your bridge loans, for your fix and flips, for your rentals, whatever it may be that you're looking for. Hard money, doesn't matter. Even if you have no experience in bad credit, you can start a conversation with her. She will tell you what she can get you, how we can make it happen. And if you're already in real estate and you just want some more competitive rates and terms, definitely reach out to Marianne. She will get you some of the most competitive rates and terms and is one of the most creative lenders I have dealt with over the years. So hit her up, let her know we sent you. And if you want a free checklist on all the ways to bring value to your buyers, whether you're a real estate wholesaler or you are a broker or an agent, go to nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets for your free checklist. And again, at nicknicknick.com slash links is all the ways to follow this show. It's available on pretty much every platform. You can watch it on YouTube. And of course, you can follow me on all the social media. So if you're interested in buying properties from me, selling properties to me, or partnering on some level on some real estate deals or some business ventures, please reach out to me directly on any of those social media platforms. Or you can email me podcast at nicknicknick.com to discuss any and all opportunities that you want to get on together. So I appreciate everybody checking this out. It's going to be a great week. Hope everybody had a happy and safe Halloween. Thank you, Adam Adams, for coming on. Thank everybody for listening. Have a great day. Okay, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is an entrepreneur, a national keynote speaker, founder of Blue Spruce Holdings. He's a former host of the Creative Real Estate Podcast and the current host of the Podcast on Podcasting. Real estate investor since 2007, uh, according to his master investor by Think Realty Magazine, has over 100 million in real estate and still owns over 1,000 units, investing in apartments since 2007. Meetup.com recognized him as one of the top six meetup organizers in the world. He had a handy man business that was making money in college, but after selling off a large portion of his portfolio in 2019, he is now focusing his time and energy on helping others get their podcast up and running. He is an avid mountain biker, a proud father, and a great man. Thank you for all the knowledge you've been dropping for me since the first day I met you a couple of years ago at one of Rod Cleese events. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast, AAA, a.k.a. Adam Adams. Ah, so such a pleasure to be on. And I love your intro. You like you like write the, your own intro for the person. You like do some detailed uh, uh, research. I, I love that about you. I feel like everybody else who has a podcast in this genre are they're basically just pulling whatever bio that person has and they read it and it's boring when they read it. <laughs> but you, you do it differently. I like, I like that a lot. I'm impressed. Thanks, man. Well, I can't have a podcast called the A-Game Podcast and then bring some like B or C level intro. And that would be completely <laughs> contradictory to what we do. But, um, you know, you, you were interesting one because you have, you've reinvented yourself multiple times. You have so many different things you're focusing on at different times. So I definitely like the, the more I dug in and peeled it back, you're like an onion. I'm like, man, he's got this layer. He's got his home life. He's got his health and, you know, losing over 50 pounds. I just think you're extremely interesting. So I would say, give the listeners a 30,000 foot snapshot of who you are and where you came from. But I don't even know if with you, that's actually a possible thing, but um, I'll, I'll let you give it a go on just a quick backstory. Sure. I'll, I'll at least mention that there's, there's two main things that, that really resonate with me. One of them is that even though I'm, I, I, I am as nervous and, and scared about doing a new thing as anyone naturally would be, I've always felt like if we persist, 
and be determined and just go forward and without relent, then we can accomplish literally anything in life. And I think that one big thing that many people uh, do that are smarter than me, faster than me, uh, more educated than me, that holds them back is that once they hit that issue, once they see how difficult anything, everything in life is difficult, once they feel that they're like, oh no, like I've got to try something else. I've done a little bit about the, of that, but in my life, one thing that's helped me is just being persistent, determined, and, and making a promise and sticking to it until it actually becomes successful. So there have been a few remarkable things, things that I'm proud of being part of, and it doesn't come from smartness or anything. It comes from just not quitting. And the only other thing that, that I would mention is that I love trying to understand how to help other people. And that's been a benefit to, to my life and other people's lives. When I see like a, a problem and I learn how to be, you know, the solution for that, that, that allows me to be able to, you know, make money from it or try a new thing. Um, um, so at any rate, I've tried, I, I believe in like becoming as uh, great as we possibly can. So that comes with exercise, like you mentioned, losing 50 pounds. That comes with reading books. That comes with uh, growing businesses and getting my, putting myself out there. So I'll just, I'll just go with, with that. But you, you mentioned the, the other really important things already. That's awesome. And as far as putting yourself out there, you, you've been doing it for longer than most, especially I remember when I first met you, you probably don't remember at all, but I was at the, the Rod, one of Rod Cleese events when he was still doing live events. And he introduced you as the, the guy who, who was notable for like one of the top meetups in the entire world. And a meetup has reached out. And all of a sudden there was just like a mob of people around you. And I just waited kind of in the background and just went up and introduced myself. And you were really nice. Like you waited for everybody. You shook everybody's hand. You were super approachable. So I appreciate it. I was like, that's a good guy. Like I'm going to, I'm definitely going to follow him. So that stuff means a lot to me when like, it could have been very easy for you to be like, I'm hungry. I'm going to get food. So <laughs> I appreciate that you took the time, but even doing something like going to events and putting yourself out there on meetup. And then the stuff I see you do now on social media, when um, there was a few things I jumped in conversations of, and you just kept them going and started just asking people and responding. I'm like, well, what do you think about this? And what did you like about how I posted there? And you know, it's very easy when I try and do that, that there's one or two people that'll put something crappy in there. And all of a sudden I get like hurt. I'm like, ah, forget the whole thing. But you, you seem to be really good at doing that and have thick skin for it. But it also, I'm sure at some point, like you said, the insecurity of putting yourself out there or just the unknown, that stops a lot of people from doing that. But everybody wants what you have, successful podcasts, successful brands, successful business, but they don't want to do that part of it. So did you have an initial struggle or resistance to doing that? Or how did you or are you getting comfortable in that space? Well, it goes back to, you know, persistence and determination, um, just not quitting no matter what, but two things that have helped me to be better at that. One of them is door-to-door -door sales. So any, anybody who's on commission sales, it, it sucks. And most <laughs> of the time, like you're going to be told no, like when I'd go door-to-door, -door, I might be told no actually a hundred times in one day. Like I might speak to a hundred different people at their door 
and all of them say no. But at the end of the summer sales, you know, I, I made good money and better money than I could have done with anything else. And so they, the, the constant telling no and having to have the courage to go to the very next door and say, hey, would, would you be interested in buying my stuff? Uh, uh, and, and giving that pitch with uh, imagining with positivity was something that allowed me to, to learn that that was okay. And then there was this other random thing. Uh, when people, they, um, we all challenge each other to do things like, hey, I dare you to go down that, you know, thing on your bike. I dare you to do it. <laughs> And, and it's like, well, you know, what could really happen? So I was always the person, the guinea pig, who's, who's willing to do that. And I think even if you're not right now, that person who's open to doing it all, I think we can train ourselves to do it. Uh, a couple of examples of this, just asking, asking is, um, you know, my sweetheart, she, she read this book about asking and she tra- challenged herself to ask more. So she started just doing weird <laughs> things that didn't uh-huh. make all that much sense, but she would just go you know, somewhere and ask for something for free just to, to get herself out there and get to get used to putting herself out. And I did that with, with girls at the club. I, I'm a fairly shy person and I, most of my friends are also, you know, fairly shy. We're not really out there, but one interesting thing is one of my friends, they challenged me to go and ask a girl out. And I, and I really thought what could ever happen wrong? Like we'll either end up going out or we won't, but if I don't ask, we still won't go out. And they were always impressed when I would do that. But I, I guess I just thought of it as, What's the worst that could happen here? It's if nothing bad can happen by asking, you, it, you can only get the benefit from putting yourself out there. So I love that. And I completely agree. To me, in that situation with everything I look at, if I didn't ask the girl out or I didn't ask the question at the event or I didn't make the offer on the house, I would feel way worse on myself for not having tried and let, letting that get the better of me than like getting a drink thrown on my face or a cellar to slam a door on my face. So to me, that that's what it is. It's really the internal battle. It's about that internal struggle of having the courage to go after it rather than what the outcome actually is. And, you know, I think it's like you have said about habits and processes. It's not necessarily about the result. It's about the habit and the action. Yeah. Love that. That's awesome stuff, man. So as far as the the well, real estate side I'll touch on first because I know that's not a big focus of yours anymore. But because you talked about you know rejection and and dealing with stuff and and, and what's the worst that could happen, I'm very interested in your thoughts because I know um, you've been investing since before the crash. Um, so yeah, 2005, 2007. So with that. I don't know a ton of investors that are like a lot of them are getting in now and they haven't really experienced a downturn and everything's all great, but like, how are you going to react when things do change? So I had some bumps and bruises along the way, which I know you did as well. And it wasn't easy. I was a little bit scared and had a little bit of PTSD to jump back into real estate after taking those beatings. And I know you going through it and having that experience, then getting back in, 
What did you have to tell yourself mentally to, to get back on the horse and to get back into real estate successfully? And did you have the support of your friends and family for getting back in or where they were like, no, we did this once, don't do that again? Well, with, with me, um, my, my family is real estate investors. So my stepdad growing up always like told me that that was what I was going to do, that I had to save 10%, <laughs> invest 10%, pay myself first. And um, these are the types of investments. And he wanted me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, like when it came out in 1998 or whenever it was coming out when I was in high school. And, um, and so that was kind of normal to me. I ended up getting into my first deal because of him. Then I did, you know, my second and third deal on my own without him. But one of them during the crash went bad, it went south. And it took me a little while to think that I would, I would you know, in 2011, um, I, I exited my last apartment unit deal and, um, and not for a gain. And I, I had my kids and I was like, oh, I, I, I probably should just wait. Like, I'm not in a position to do this. And my stepdad flew out to me and we ended up going to a place and he's like, you got to get back into this. So I'll just be completely honest. I was afraid. Like I lost money. It was a struggle. It was embarrassing. Uh, I had to do like a, a, I basically signed it over to the bank. And, um, and I, that, th that stuck with me. And, and I'm like, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was with my first deal or two. Um, and so it took me a little bit, but my dad, actually, you asked, were your friends and family supportive? I mean, my dad basically made me do it the second time, you know, after going on to a short hiatus. So in 2011 to 15, I wasn't investing in real estate. And then in 15, I started doing lots of different investments, creative investments. I didn't have a ton of capital. So I just kept uh, buying deals and helping people with uh, getting out of situations where we did something creative, where we both could win and using other people's money to do flips. And that started, that built up until we decided to really do more uh, large syndicated apartment units. And you mentioned that's not a focus anymore. I mean, we have to focus on them because we own them. Like we've, we've got a whole bunch of units that we manage today. And those units, like we're always gonna manage them. We're always gonna make sure that they make money um, the focus of acquiring new deals went away in 2020, where I wasn't sure what is going on with the market. So we just want to do our best with the ones that we already have. And the and just I turned off my acquisitions funnel so that we could really focus and, and do a good job and maybe wait it out to see where the market goes before we jump back into acquisitions. But um, yeah. Yeah, hopefully that was helpful. I feel like I might have gone on to a long monologue. No, no, I thought that that was perfect, and and I do love that man. You're you're one of the exceptions that I've heard say that they're they're going to sit and wait, but I think that that's great self awareness. And even you know, for myself, when we started focusing on like a, a, I always point like you could see, but the land development that we have out here, that was part of the conversation I had with my partner. She was like, "Hey, you know, a lot of the times in the past when things got hairy, it was because you were spread too thin. So why are you like?" You don't have to go do all these different things and push all the, like keep pushing, 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 focus on this, make sure that what you already have is taken care of. And I think that that's really smart self-awareness on your part to make sure you're focusing and doing your best on what you have. I think it's awesome. And 
you know, on on our side of it, one of the the things that I've seen go very wrong on multifamily has been a bad experience with a bad property manager. And I know in your earlier days, you were doing some of the property management. So I was looking for some maybe do's and don't quick yeah. for, the, uh, for the audience on, on what could be good or bad for looking for or doing property management. 100%. Yeah. In 2007, I started managing apartments and 2008 is when I bought my first multifamily. So uh, I learned a ton, you know, both from working for somebody else and then working for myself and a couple of like tangibles that could be beneficial to anybody who's buying units. One is that this, this thought of needing to save that 10%, this was my money. I didn't want to lose out on it, fear of missing out. I didn't want to lose out on my 10%. So I had, a, a, I owned a triplex, for example, that um, the total rents were somewhere around $2,000 and I was, um, I was probably making uh, around 300 bucks a, a month. And so I thought to myself, you know, if, if I get a property manage, management company to do something, quote, that I can do, and I put that in quotes because I really couldn't, <laughs> if I get a property management company to do what I can do, then I'm going to lose out on, you know, two or 300 bucks a month. And it's just going to be wasted. It's going to go to somebody else. And then, you know, I'd be owning this property, this triplex and not being, not making any money off of it. So at at the time, what I decided to do was manage it myself. And frankly, in 2008, there was some things that were a little bit of a challenge for many different, uh, you know, owners of properties. Um, but me being a fairly new owner of rentals and apartments after managing them for other people and owning land or whatever, I decided that I would just create my own contract because like that 300 bucks is my entire month's, uh, you know, net operating income. And so I, I didn't want to lose out on that. And, you know, when the roof needed to be repaired, I did it myself. I, I wasn't a roofer, but I, I thought, you know, I could save about $4,000, which is 12 months of income, um, of, of net income. I could save that by doing this myself. So the problem here that, that I think is the big lesson for anyone who becomes a property manager is it is true that doing all these things on my own technically saved money from labor that I'd pay somebody else, like a property management company. But what's interesting is I did add up all of my hours and I was making less than minimum wage with my uh, apartment, with my little triplex. So I was personally working overtime, uh, working extra time and doing it on hours where I could have actually played with family, friends, uh, done something fun, went, went biking, whatever. I instead was working on my apartment so that I could save just a couple of dollars. And if I would have paid other people, it would have been better because I had to redo that same roof three different times before I ended up paying a roofer. And I ended up losing a lot more money because I didn't have a solid contract because I created it myself and didn't pay an attorney where instead of just losing 300 on one attorney one time to have a nice contract, 
I constantly was behind the eight ball and stressed out and losing tenants and, and um, having issues because I didn't have a solid contract that could solve all of those other things. Uh, additionally, eviction. Like, I'm like, I'm not paying an attorney to do this eviction. So instead of spending like a thousand bucks on an attorney to support me, I lost several months of a thousand bucks of, of rent because I'm trying to do this myself. And it's just this mindset of needing to control it all was really what brought me back. And this overconfidence that I can figure anything out on my own, um, actually, sure, I figured it out eventually. Basically, what I figured out is hire, hire professionals. Mm -hmm. um, but I ended up losing a ton of money. Um, so, so a couple of other things that I learned on there besides just um, hiring the right people and, and not working for below minimum wage myself to do this, some of this is that the inspections, the due diligence of the property, the tenants and the leases is also very critical as you're buying a, a property, especially a multi-unit property, uh, because one of the tenants, they, they were like, hey, the, the owner said, this tenant is even better than the one above it. Like this unit below, the basement unit is, is just as good as the unit above and even better. It has newer this, it has newer this. Um, and so like, if you like that unit, you're going to like this one. The reason he said that was twofold. A, because the resident actually wouldn't let us in. Um, and B, because he, the owner knew that that unit was probably a lot worse. So what ended up happening is when we finally went in and that guy didn't pay us for several months and we ended up kicking him out after several months, he had an insane amount of animals, cats and dogs in that uh, property that were a way, I mean, five times whatever the legal limit was Ooh. and um, ended up like because they, you know, used the restroom wherever they wanted, they, they went to the bathroom anywhere. Um, we had to, we actually had to gut this whole property out again, even if it used to be better than that one. So that, that was a $40,000 mistake, $42,000 that if we would have ended up um, just going in that unit and holding true to what, what we all have heard is that you inspect every single unit. If we would have done that, we would have not had to lose out on all of that $42,000 of redoing that entire unit. And, um, and that would be beneficial to anybody, even if it was, uh, even if it was a $1,000 plumbing uh, and, and mold leak that you fixed, that still saves you money that makes it worth it to make sure you inspect every unit. So that's another uh, big takeaway that I got. and. Um, the uh, another takeaway, okay, so the contracts, the inspection of the units, the paying other people, and uh, I guess I guess we can stop with that. Three is enough. <laughs> Three is enough. Three is great, man. And I think that that's excellent information. And you know, it's it's a funny thing. I don't know what it is about entrepreneurs on some level, 
but wanting to do everything yourself initially, just across the board in, in real estate and everything, it seems to be where people, I, I still have a little bit of a struggle between it, but once you start going to masterminds and getting good mentors and getting good people around you to collaborate with, and you see how much it helps and you see the people who are doing things that are where you want to be, have had help along the way to doing those things, it becomes easier to spend that money. But I don't know what it is about human nature that initially it's kind of like, no, like I, I need to be doing this myself and doing all the work. And I know one of my favorite quotes is how you do anything is how you do everything. So for me to look for help on the real estate side, you know, going into podcasting, I started out the same way going, well, how hard could it be? I'll put a plug a mic in and I'll talk into the computer. And then every week as I do more things and I go, well, I have to do this now. And then, you know, the bar becomes things that you can't undo anymore. So I'm interested now in transitioning because your background in real estate, you've leveraged your business and people experience into growing people's podcasts. So I'd love to hear more about that and how you help, because I'm sure a lot of the same stuff comes up when people first talk to you about real estate and go, hey, do you have 30 minutes to tell me how to be a millionaire? It's like, same thing. Hey, can, can you give me 15 minutes and just tell me how to have like a really successful podcast? And they have no idea what actually goes into doing that. Yeah. Um, so trying to think of the best place to start to support somebody who's thinking about doing a podcast. One thing that is, is really good is just understanding some of the benefits of having a podcast that I think that will help any of us to at least say, should we be doing this and maybe give a couple of quick drawbacks. So some benefits of the podcast are obvious. Um, you would have the ability to scale the content that you're putting out. So that might be obvious. You, you push record once and instead of one person hearing it, you have the ability to have 10, 20, 30, 40, 100, 200, 5,000 people listen to that thing that took you a certain amount of time. So that's one of the giant benefits. Another one is it can build you a little bit of credibility, like your own business can thrive even more, like you can raise more private equity for whatever your, uh, whatever your business is doing, real estate or anything else. You also have the ability to, to get more coaching clients uh, as well. Um, but another benefit is connecting with people. This is kind of cool, like going back to real estate investing, um, there's a, a guy named Joe Fairless that most of us have heard of if we follow real estate, because he is one of the top real estate investing podcasts. But it was kind of cool because he's become a friend over time and, and somebody that, that we can, I can text him on his birthday and I can ask him like for help. For example, we didn't know how to, um, we didn't understand how, we didn't know how to, to do something the way he was doing it. And we couldn't figure it out. And everybody that we told everybody we asked said like, Hey, that's it. That's not legal. Or I don't know how to do that. So I was cool. I just text Joe and told him what we were worried, worried about. And he put me right in touch with the right CPA. Um, and so now we have this excellent counsel and it happened because the relationship of, uh, when you have a podcast, you can invite anyone you want as a guest on your show, and you can ask them any question that you want. But additionally, if they have a podcast, there's this reciprocity that happens every single time or nearly every time. Um, you invite me on your show, I'm probably going to be like, hey, now why don't you come on my show? And when I invited Joe on my show, you know, he's like, hey, why don't you come on mine? And so I've, I've been able to be. Uh, multiple times on some of these 
very big podcasts by Rod Cleef and Michael Blanc and Joe Fairless and, and, and just uh, all of these people that are big names in my uh, real estate industry that they've, I've had them on mine. They've had me on theirs. And it opens up to bigger things like more passive investors, more people buying your courses, more um, times that you're speaking around the country uh, at different events. So these are some huge benefits of just having your thought leadership platform. Um, but how to do it? You know, what are kind of some of the steps? I, I was talking to a client today and I said, step zero is knowing who your avatar is. This is like the most obvious step that needs to happen before you ever do anything, before you create any content, before you create any marketing materials, before you figure out what questions you're asking. You have to really understand already who do you want listening. So for anyone who's listening now, if you're going to start a podcast, make sure you are fully aware of that person, psychographics and demographics. And once you've done step zero, you can start with step one. And this is where you're figuring out all the content. You're creating, like, I always encourage people to spend about an hour or so writing down about a hundred different topics, just brain dumping a hundred different ideas that their avatar needs to know. That's why you, you start with the avatar. Because now you spend time being like, all right, my avatar is... Uh, I've, I've named him or her John or Sarah, and they're worried about this and this and this, and they're trying to accomplish this and this and this, and they already know this and this and this, and they have this many kids. So now you're like, what, what is Sarah worried about? She's worried. This keeps her up at night. How could I solve that? What is she looking for? What is she searching for? Uh, how could I make her, you know, understand or get, feel more empowered? And you're creating all this content. That's step one. Uh, just coming up with a hundred topics and ideas that you could share. Then it gets more uh, podcasty. Once you've done these other steps, it gets more podcasty. So you're thinking, I've got to have some equipment before I record. Uh, you, you probably want headphones. You probably want a mic. They don't have to cost you a lot. And just to give a quick free resource out, you can go to growyourshow.com forward slash PDF because that will help you to be able to find some vetted um, uh, types of podcast equipment that you could use that the microphone, the lowest end microphone is only 20 bucks and it works awesome. So there's all the stuff that you would ever want or need on, on at, just go to growyourshow.com forward slash PDF. And you don't have to put in an email address or anything like that uh, to, to be able to get access to all that stuff. It, it, it's, it's not a lead magnet. You can do whatever you want. Um, so I just want to at least throw that out. So that's where you are now that you've come up with all this content. After, after, so you're going to get your stuff. Now you're going to create your uh, step. I, I'm going to call it step two. Step three. The next one is that we are going to make sure that we're, we title the, the podcast in a way that we know that that avatar is going to look for it. So figure out your title, figure out the colors that you might use that would attract somebody like you're trying to attract the fonts that you might use, whether or not you should have your face on the, on the promo uh, on the artwork, or if it should just be more of a logo. And so then you're going to create that 
you might have a subtitle, by the way. So you've got the title of the podcast and then you might have a subtitle. So it could be like the podcast on podcasting. And then maybe the subtitle is learn how to launch, grow, and monetize a podcast. Or it could be the A game, learn how to be a better fighter, learn how to be a better business person or whatever. Um, so you'll have like that the subtitle, you put that on there. You're going to need your intros, outros, voiceovers, some of this stuff. And then it comes down to the place where you're really ready to launch the podcast. You have a couple of podcast episodes recorded. So here's a big tangible that anybody can take. You're going to have to do some marketing. And you're like, no, 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 no. I thought I have a podcast. I'm automatically famous. Uh-huh. It doesn't work like that. You, There's 2.7 million podcasts out there. No longer are the days that the podcast applications are going to th- make sure that everybody sees your podcast. They're not doing that anymore. There's just way too many podcasts to be thinking like that. So you have to do some marketing. It's the opposite of uh, the field of dreams. It says, uh, you know, if you build it, they will come. It's, it's not automatic like that. If you build it and market it, then they will come. And what's kind of cool is if you do enough marketing when on your launch, you should be able to get a whole bunch of, of people making um, enough traction on the podcast that now the algorithms of podcast, uh, Apple podcast, for example, say, well, this is already getting lots of traction. People are downloading, people are listening through, people are rating and reviewing this podcast. They've, they're being split testing you. <laughs> Uh, this is a B testing for, for some of the marketers out there. They've been putting, uh, all of these podcasts together and they're seeing, okay, the ones that are making traction, let's push those out in front of more people and split test and see which ones we should do. So if you can market enough, do a good pre-launch connect with, uh, all of the people that you need, ask for ratings, honest ratings and reviews, not five-star ratings reviews, Mm -hmm. by the way. Ask for honest ratings and reviews from from friends. Say, listen to an episode or two and give an honest review. You can actually get enough traction on your launch day that Apple will start pushing you in front of other people. So you'll end up either having like five or 10 people downloading each episode, or you can push it really hard, get another 50 or 100 or 200 people to download and hack an algorithm where Apple ends up pushing you in front of other po- other podcast listeners to see what's going on. And you might be able to hack it so well by doing that, that you might have a thousand or 2000 or 3000 downloads per episode in a very short amount of time. So that's something we handle for all of our clients like that are starting a podcast. It's a lot of work to do all of that pre stuff. But uh, if you, if your takeaway is I have to do my own marketing, it's not automatic that I'm famous. If I build it, they don't automatically come. I've got to do some stuff. Then I think you're going to be much higher, much more able to get traction on a podcast where most people like over 90% of people get no traction at all. So 
If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. On the podcast side of it, what are some things that you're doing and offering to help? Because again, I think it's exactly like you said, people think that they're going to start a podcast and they're going to be the next Joe Rogan. And it's hard enough to worry about putting good content out and and just coming up with topics and things like that. And I think like other things, like just like real estate, just like losing weight, when things get tough, people quit. And I yeah. think that, yes, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but a lot of them don't last. And I think the services that you put out there are part of what helps get people past that so they can worry about their part. You can help them with the other side and it gets them some longevity in there. So um, talk a little bit about some of the services or things you can do to help them. Okay. And, and I'll try to share it because I know most people um, probably aren't going to hire us. A couple of people probably will be able to. So I want to at least make sure it's valuable to everybody regardless of, but some of the things are, like when we launch a podcast, there is a, a crazy amount of things that need to be done with applying to be on Apple, making sure your podcast gets on syndicated through all the other platforms. And a lot of that stuff, it, it brings people some anxiety enough that they're not able to even get the podcast up and running. There's so many things that, that they just get overwhelmed and they would, won't even start. And, or if they start, they might get only a few episodes in and then quit. So I'll share what we do, but I'll try to say it in a way that solves that problem, regardless if, if you're working with our company or, or by yourself or with some other company. Um, and here they are. Number one, you need to go back to the, the illustration that we had before of me launching my first triplex, my first apartment, where I thought I could make more money if I didn't spend the money for other people. And it ended up costing me, for example, $42,000 in one case, uh, a few thousand dollars, you know, because of several months of no um, income, and all those other amounts and those stresses and me working for less than minimum wage to get there. So my first suggestion is if you can find a way to invest money into your podcast, your podcast has a much higher probability of paying you money and also getting you um, sponsors that, that are paying so that you're offloading that cost. So that's the first thing is, is like hire professionals if you can, if it's uh, feasible. The second thing that, that we do when we're launching a podcast is we want to make sure that we have a, a good strategy for the launch that's very, very beneficial. When deciding what your strategy might be, what you're determining is what assets do you have? What 
Uh, do you have a ton of money available to make sure that this happens? Do you have a ton of time available? Do you have a huge email list available? Do you have a lot of friends with big email lists? What are your assets? What is available to you? And you want to start thinking about launching that. So we do that for other people. We, we ask them the right questions. We determine all of this. And then we give you the, the launch plan strategy. Um, what else? We create all of your logos and intros and outros. We hire the voiceover artists. We don't charge any extra for that. So that's something else that we do. Another is we, do, we handle all of, the, all of the hard stuff. So you as the, um, as the talent, as the host, your job should only be to press record. That's the one thing you should focus on. You've already done step zero. You've already done step one, where you just know what you, who you need to communicate with and what needs to be communicated to them with. Then it's your job to just press record. All of the other things my team does, and to give you a, an example of some of those things, is we edit your, your audio. We cut out some of your filler words like um and uh and other filler words. We additionally put in your intro, your outro. We put in off, uh, original theme music for your podcast. We, um, we actually title the episode. Then we'll write the show notes for your episode with our six-part show note system. We'll write all of that. We'll promote it. We'll put it on your blog. We'll put it on your, on your social. So we're doing all of the marketing for you. We're doing all the, the pro promotion for you. We even email your guest. We give your guests like all of the different things that you'll need that they'll, that they could share. And we really try to help that guest look really good so that they're more likely to share. So we make a quote card, we make an audiogram or a videogram or a promotional image or all four of them. And we give them to that person so that they can share the episode so that they'll want to share the episode so that they're excited to, um, we ask them to rate and review it. So it's like all of those hard steps, but those are some of the things that we all will need to do. Um, we, we additionally like um, do paid marketing. So we, I will pay my staff to send private messages to your avatar. And so you can either pay us to do that, or you could do that yourself. You could have your own like virtual assistant helping you with it, but we do a private message campaign that gets in front of your avatar and helps them be more likely to hire you and be and, and, and work with you or be avid listeners so that your sponsors can make more money. Um, so we try to just handle all of the hard stuff. So it's basically an interview in the beginning and then you just press record. And I know that was a lot. Um, so forgive me if, if I get shared too many details, but there's no that. such thing as too many details, man. The, the dollars are in the details. And I think it's important that you share those things because I would bet for some of the people like myself that are that do those things or try and like outsource those things from time to time, they realize that the time is being taken for something that we should be outsourcing anyway. So I think somebody that's currently doing a podcast or doing those things themselves, they need to hear that there's other people out there that can help. And I think for people who maybe don't yet, they actually need to hear that for the hard truth of like, these are all the things that go into businesses in general, but a podcast specifically, there's a lot more to it. And that's why it does take a team and it does take people to put those things together. So I appreciate you uh, sharing all that. I think it's all important stuff. And I think you provide a very valuable service. I Thank you. 
Definitely. So on the meetup side, I would definitely love your opinion because things have changed a little bit since since that. And uh, I used to have a meetup and I remember part of what made me push to do a podcast was waking up every day going, I wish I would have started this years ago. And when I met you and I heard how much success you would have with your meetup, it made me go, man, I shouldn't have shut my meetups down. I should have just stuck with them. Like, why didn't I? Why didn't I? So with everything now, as far as Facebook groups and all the stuff with the pandemic and being able to do things via Zoom and all these different stuff, the principle of meetups, I understand, but has like the technical side of actually physically meeting up changed? And are you parlaying like the the setup or the the skills that you had to grow that meetup into other things more virtual now? I I love the question. So we have, you know, back in 2020, there most of the meetups shut down. In fact, meetup.com suggested to all of the hosts of Meetup that they turn, take everything to virtual. Um, you know, we were doing weekly every Thursday meetups during. It was called it's a real estate lunch club, so we were doing weekly lunch clubs and. Um, I know that there, it's a two-part question. So one of them is probably like, how do we make a meetup most effective? And the other one is like, other part of the question is, you know, what's kind of changing as we record that, you know, the, this thing called a Delta variant of this COVID thing is, had, has, has been a bigger thing. And some of the events that are out there are kind of shutting down. Um, but I want, I want to try to like pour in and, and say a few things. Has, has things changed with Meetup? Absolutely. Will they forever change? Likely, some of them. Um, will things go back to normal? Likely, most of them will go back to normal. Um, but as, as we're recording this, there might still be things like that. So here's a couple of ideas that really helped me grow a Meetup. And it's regardless if it's virtually or in person, these are principles that benefit anybody's meetup. And one of the first ones is something that also benefits you as a business owner. It also benefits you as a podcast host, and it also benefits you as a meetup organizer. And that one is that you need to understand the problem that you solve that's different from anyone else that's out there. And what we do when we start a podcast or start a business or start a meetup group is we do our recon. We actually go and find out what other meetup groups are already around. We find out what they're offering. We do some research to see which, uh, which events that they have that get the most amount of traction and the events that they get that they host that get the least amount of traction. We can see that based on the amount of people that, um, uh, I was going to say subscribed, but it's not a podcast based on the <laughs> amount of people that RSVP to going to that event. We can see all of that data in history. We can go to past events. Um, we can see like which of which meetup groups have the most amount of people and the fewest amount of people. We can also see um, for me and my experience in my town with real estate meetups, they were all like a 6 p.m. meetup. And they're generally on a, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Uh, very few on Mondays, very few on Fridays. And almost always it was 6 or 6.30 p.m. And so I'm, I'm doing my recon, which is important if you're starting a business. It's important if you're starting a podcast. And it's definitely important if you're starting a meetup to understand what's out there, what people are doing, what's working, what's not. In my 
route that I took with growing a meetup that ended up becoming one of the top six meetups on the whole planet out of 225,000 meetups, which I'm really happy about. I'm really proud that we were able to build something like that by niching down. I was afraid to niche down. I was like, I shouldn't do that. I want to be as broad as possible. I want anybody and everybody to come to my meetup because I want the most amount of influence. I want the most amount of network because your network is your net worth. And so, but I decided to go opposite this time. I, I decided instead of meeting at 6.30 on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, I'm going to meet at noon on a weekday. And so it was random, but I was like, I'm going to be the only lunch club. I'm going to like be the best lunch club automatically because I'm the only lunch club. <laughs> and so, so now all of a sudden I can say that, you know, we're the biggest and best lunch club in the entire state of Colorado because we were. It was easy to say. Other other things that I decided to do was um, was make sure that I looked at what I went to tons of other meetups and I saw that most of them had something to sell, or they or it costed money to be there in the first place. So or or both. So I just <laughs> decided I'm going to be I'm going to make this meetup free instead of charging five dollars or ten dollars per event or instead of charging 100 or 200 or 300 per year, which was most of the other uh, meetups. And then, you know, I, I also said that I'm, I'm not going to have a sales pitch. I'm not going to have an agenda uh, at my meetups. I'm not going to need to force my stuff on other people because I felt uncomfortable when other people did that to me. So then when I, when I decide three things, there was obviously... There, uh, there was honestly many more things that I did after doing the recon to make sure that I was niche and different. But if we can take these three things and talk about what amplified the value of them, why they ended up helping me, it was because I decided in the worst words I could share possible is I decided to brainwash everybody that came to my meetup. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy. Uh, and I, and I, I just mean it because I want you to understand. I want the listener for you to really get it, what we're doing when we're, when we're using this messaging. So I say brainwash, that's really just to get your attention. Uh, another way to say that is I was making sure to continue to influence everybody as to these three things that we did differently. All I did was made sure that I had a story behind all three of them. That's the main thing. And once you have that story behind these three things, then you need to constantly mention that story. You have to constantly tell people about these three things and why you're doing it differently. So here's my answer to this. I, I, I found that everybody else charged two-ish hundred per year. So every single time I met with my people, I would mention to them, hey, we're one of the only free places out. There's a lot of places that want your money. I don't want your money. I just want to do business with you. I just want to support you. I just want to have a better network. So that was my reason why. And so I mention that each and every time, and that helps to brainwash, make sure <laughs> that they know that, that we're different. The other one, 
that we that we meet weekly, for example, or that we meet at lunch. It's we have a story. Hey, we meet weekly because it takes six to 13 times for you to start trusting somebody. Psycho psychology knows that it takes you six to 13 times. I don't want you to be spending six months before you ever do a deal with somebody else in this room. So I decided to do this weekly. And that's why uh, people that come to this meetup come each and every week because they know blah, 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 blah. So I gave them that story. Why we meet at lunch. It's very easy for newbies, brand new people to meet at six or 6.30 because those people that have full-time jobs and can't make it here like you guys can, can't make it here, they're not doing deals. Can I have a show of hands of those in this room that have done deals more than just your primary residence? Your primary <laughs> residence doesn't count. And get a show of hands. And it's 95% of the people that are in there are raising their hands. The people are looking around being like, this place is legit. This is where deal makers go. So we're just identifying and, and brainwashing what is the difference between our meetup and other meetups. Um, so anyway, there's just a few things. Um, what else can, can help? Here's uh, the last thing that I'll share is something that I read and I never thought that I would like. I don't really, I I'm, know that I'm being quoted saying this, but I've never resonated with Grant Cardone. I've always, I'm, I'm a fairly uh, humble-ish, like uh, kind, like sensitive guy. And, and you know, you, honestly, Grant is the opposite. He's very out there. He's very loud. And so when somebody said I should read the 10X rule, I was like, all right, I'll read it, but like, I don't think I'm going to like it, but I read it and I loved it. And here's the thing that benefits you. If you're starting a meetup when, when, and when we're talking about Grant Cardone's 10 X rule. So he talks about doing 10 times as much work, uh, marketing 10 times as much, much money in 10 times the amount of places talking to 10 times the amount of people, uh, trying 10 times the amount of new things. Um, that's what the 10x rule is all about. And I thought it was insightful for a meetup organizer because when we're talking about the type of marketing that most people do, the 1x, the 1x is that they will just publish the, app, the meetup event on meetup.com. They won't use, they won't email it out. They won't do anything. So the 1x rule is that they literally just do the easiest, quickest thing. And that never seems to work. So when we go 10X on the marketing of meetups, we do a few things. We create promo images. We create titles of a meetup that are inspiring, that, that are polarizing. Like when we talk about brainwashing, mm -hmm. it's anything that's polarizing that's going to grab somebody's attention. And we need to make sure that we also follow through with that. So if we make a big promise in our title, we have to follow through with the promise or we're going to lose all the people that came for the clickbait, if you will, that came for that, that uh, uh, interesting title. So you make the interesting title, then you make sure that you follow through with that interesting title. Another thing is, instead of just putting it on Meetup, also use your Meetup, um, the Meetup emails. Uh, also, email your friends. Also, put it on Facebook.com as an event. Also, put it on um on some of these other Eventbrite and other uh, free or paid event sites. It's the same one. Also use persuasion.
we only have a certain amount of seats available. So, uh, so choose fast. Um, this guy's only flying in this one time. So choose fast. Other meetups are like, Hey, we meet every month. <laughs> we meet every single month. We always meet. And it's like, well, there's no urgency. There's no persuasion or reason why I need to make that. And every single human, we have uh, uh, movies we want to watch. We have people that we're dating. We have family and friends. We have our jobs. We have our podcast that we're launching. And we have our kids, perhaps. And so, like, when it comes down to it and it's just a monthly meetup, there's no reason that we need to go. So having that persuasion of this is the only time you're going to be able to hear from this guy. This is the only time out of 52 meetups that I do per year. This is the only time that we're going to dive into this, make it or break it. Like it gives people a reason to get, uh, 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 to, to cancel their other plans, to tell their sweetheart, Hey, uh, this, this day, this night, this lunch, I have to skip with you because it's the only time I can do this. So we're using that persuasion, that salesmanship to allow people to make a decision that they need to come. So instead of it's just monthly, then it's this event is one of a kind. You have to come to this event to get this result. Um, so the 10X rule, just to finish it real fast, is you're going to market it everywhere you can. You're going to talk to people. And then my last thing that I'll say about it is that I would like you to call individuals call your friends and say, Hey, Nick, I have this meetup and I really want you to come because and you say the because because there's somebody else you, that will meet you because you'll be able to do more real estate deals because you'll be able to uh, get more podcast listeners. I really want you to come to this event because and then you give them the reason. Um, so private message people call people 10 X the amount of uh, advertising that you're doing with your meetup is one of the biggest reasons why my meetup grew. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. You can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585. 0585 for your free online drum lesson. That's outstanding information. I very much appreciate you sharing that. And a, a couple of things did stick out for that. One of them that I had never heard before was the, the touching people six to 13 times to have that establishment of that connection. I, I think was a huge thing. I caught you saying that on a, on a different interview. And immediately I was like, man, that's genius. These other people, it's taking them six to 13 months to make the same connection you're making in that amount of weeks. So I think that that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate all the step-by-step -step knowledge you gave, all your experiences that you've shared. Um, listening to you, I'll put show, link, show links to everything that you, you're doing as far as your podcast on podcasting. 
and uh, all the ways to find you and work with you as well into the show notes. But I do encourage people to go find your other interviews because you are really an open book and the stuff that you share hours of content on podcasting, on research, on, uh, on real estate investing, on your personal stuff, on your habits, and even on the, um, uh, the, the stuff you're doing with the meetups and social media. I've heard you give such great things on how to like stake on the platform and get the engagement. So you are truly a wealth of knowledge with so much stuff that I could talk to you for hours on. So I encourage people to find you, listen to you. How do they work with you? How do they find you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way is just go to growyourshow.com or if they want that PDF, growyourshow.com forward slash PDF. Awesome, man. Any final thoughts before we let you go today? That's it. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that it. That was awesome. I, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you being so nice the first time I met you and for all the stuff you're sharing. Thank you for coming on today. The A-Game Podcast, AAA, Adam Adams, ladies and gentlemen. 